0: with us today, or if you got young ones with you as well, um, there's some activity sheets back on the Connect Center back there. We don't have uh, something specific for kids uh, during the summer. Uh, if you go and look in any of the rooms around you here, you'll see if they're filled with. You let me know, all right? All right. Uh, if I need to switch to my handheld, you guys just let me know. You're good. All right, thank you. Okay. Our, our live stream guy's not here today, so we're trying to scramble behind the scenes to do all the magic that he does. And none of us really know what we're doing uh, in that regard. So, but we'll get it worked out. Uh, but it was great to have Luke 418 with us here this last week. They took off yesterday and went back home And uh, Karen and Jason and I had a chance to meet with Pastor David and Pastor Randy and talk about some future visions and some future idea stuff. And I think we're gonna be able to do some exciting things together, so stay tuned for that. Uh, We'll have some more conversations and sort of get some things planned. But one of the things that they seemed very interested in assisting us with is the Chosen Road, Christmas concert in December. I know we've been talking about that. We're putting it on your radar now because it's a big project. And we're very excited that we have uh, some of our own folks, some uh, people from other organizations in town who are beginning to come alongside that and are excited about that. And uh, just to fill you in, if you're not up on that, Chosen Road is a a five-piece bluegrass group. Uh, We've had them here before. We've hosted them here before. And they're just Wildly talented, and they're also really great people. They love the Lord. They share the gospel everywhere that they go. And uh, for the last couple of years, after COVID, obviously, they started doing hometown Christmas shows around their area in the east and southeast, and they became very, very popular. They added more. And I asked them several months ago if they would come to Alaska and do an Anchorage hometown Christmas show. And so we've reserved the Wendy Williamson Auditorium. It's going to be a free show for our community. We want to put it out there for people to come. Uh, It'll be great music. And uh, I told you at the time when we first talked about this that there's great timing to be able to get them to to come. Because they want to come. They they love Christ's community. They love Alaska. They have a heart for ministry. And so, you know, the logistics of all that, because there's a lot of expenses involved in that. But they were very gracious towards our idea, and as far as the, you know, because this is their job, so they get paid to do this. We're going to give them some money when they come so that they can go home and put shoes on the feet of their children. But uh, they were starting to take off, and their management company was pushing them to significantly raise their fees because they can't. And this is, you know, they've been at this for like 12 years, so, you know, make hay while the sun is shining kind of thing but they resisted that and they stayed at their old rate for us for this year. And then I told you, last year they dropped an album called Appalachian Hymns. It went to number five on the Billboard 100 Bluegrass chart. They were right there between Dolly Parton and Alison Krauss. And I said, this is a big deal. It stayed there for several weeks and then it dropped off. And then last August they dropped their Christmas album. It went to number three on the Blueboard 100 And their other album, Appalachian Christmas, came out of the the 20s and 30s back into the top 10. This last week, they just dropped their new album. It went to number five on day one on the Billboard Bluegrass 100. So uh, they're now starting to perform all over the country. They just were at the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, Hopefully, this will really be something that is on the radar of people in Anchorage's folk and music community. Because, you know, Anchorage is very eclectic. Alaska is eclectic. Uh, very few of us are tied into just one kind of music. And so uh, I'm hoping that we really uh, get a great crowd there. We have the, the donations are open for you to give towards that, the Christ community part of that effort. And so you can do that through our giving page, c3ak.com slash donate. You can go there. If you use one of the digital portals, you just mark it for Christmas, and it'll go towards that effort for now, right? And then if you're not aware because you're new to us, thats we don't pass a plate here, we don't have a hat, we have an offering box over there that you're welcome to use. But for regular giving, we, we encourage you to use the offering box or use one of our online uh, methods or you can send something into the, to the church office. But uh, we've been doing our, our offering that way for 20-plus years, and God has taken care of us in that way because you have been faithful. So uh, if you are interested in giving and haven't yet done that and didn't know how to do that, you go there's a little bit of information for you Whoa! all right we are in week two of our series called the three circles and it's an evangelism uh, emphasis evangelism teaching and we worked with the first circle last week and uh, we think jason is it working on the live stream you're a genius ish I don't want to oversell it, you know. But uh, actually, I asked him earlier, because last week the PowerPoint did not work. And by the way, younger people will identify with me, I don't use PowerPoints, because who uses PowerPoints anymore? It's what they sent us in the materials, so we had to deal with it. But last week it wouldn't work, and so it was a little hard, but uh, I asked Jason if he could figure out how to get it working this week, and he did, and I am so appreciative of everything that he does. But. If you weren't here with us last week and you would like to join in with kind of what we're looking at, you can go on your phone, digital device. There's an app called Life on Mission, I think is what it's called, uh, which is counterintuitive. The whole program is called Three Circles. So why they didn't name it Three Circles, I don't know. But it's called Life on Mission. This is what Southern Baptists do, I swear. Um, But we also have uh, the printed ones as well. Jason, where did those end up? All right, so you can get you can get one off the connect center. You can get one uh, on the little table over here by the offering box if you want to have one in your hand. Uh, take it with you if you still have yours from last week. You can follow along. But we're going to be on circle number two. So Jay, go ahead and kick off with our first slide this morning. There it is. Last week, this is what we talked about: God's design that God has a a design for us as humanity that encompasses the rest of creation. I, this is something I wanted to, to kind of draw attention to. While we talked about last week that humanity is distinct in God's creation because it says that God created man and woman in his own image. So there's a there's a there's an aspect to our creation, and it's not fully understood. You can find probably a hundred different theological ideas about what exactly that means to be Created in his image. I did a research paper on it as part of our uh, master's program that Jason and I are doing. I still can't definitively answer that question for you because I'm not the greatest theologian in the world either. But it has something to do with our cognizant abilities, our ability to reason, our ability to make choices and decisions, our ability to understand the difference between good and evil. And to know when we're being obedient to something or being disobedient to something. It's probably nothing to do with our physical creation to a degree, but we don't really know exactly what that in the image of God means. We can't nail it down to a a final specificity. But what we do know is that sets us apart, in a way, from the rest of creation, but that, does, that doesn't mean that we're divorced from all of creation because the good news, while it is good news for us, it is also good news to all of creation. And we know that creation is included in the gospel message because Jesus phrases it like this. He says he, there's a time when the people are being pretty rowdy and they're celebrating Jesus and the religious leaders come and say, hey, you should make those guys be quiet. They're kind of they're being uh, rambunctious. And Jesus says, well, I could do that. I could tell them to be quiet. But if they don't cry out, these rocks here on the ground will shout my name. And you know, I don't know if we can come up with kind of a more mundane example of creation than a rock, right? What do we say people? Well, we don't we don't say people are, but some people might say some people are dumb as a rock, right? So I, I'm, by the way, I'm fascinated with rocks. I think they're pretty cool, different you know, formations, all that kind of stuff. But the reality is when it comes to the things of creation, it's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. But Jesus says, even from that place of creation and everywhere in between, we'll celebrate my name. And we're going to look at some scripture that talks about that today. But that's God's design then in, in the way that he made us different than all of creation His design for us is that we be in communion with him. That's the ultimate description of God's design for us. He created us to have relationship with us. So we talked about that last week, what that looks like, what that thinks, and then we we set the tone for today, which is do we all naturally then have communion with God? If that's his design... Do we all naturally have communion with God? But this week we're going to talk about what causes the problem with that. The issue with that is that all of us and all of creation, we just sang about it. Do you feel the world is broken?" I don't know if you do. I do. I look around a lot and, and, and shake my head, and sometimes it's difficult to be you know optimistic about the world around us and even what's happening not just within our social structures and political structures and things like that, but but what's happening within the physical creation around us. And so we're talking today about this next circle is brokenness. And Jay, you can just kind of freewheel whatever you want to do here. Awesome. Look at him. So what causes that brokenness? Brokenness is sin. That's what the Bible describes, is is it breaks the relationship between humanity and God and causes that problem. So when we think about a broken world, we don't have to look very far to see that. These are statistics about a couple of years old, four years old maybe. Every year, half a million children are taken from their homes to be placed in foster care because of abuse or neglect. That's just stunning. We're talking about in America. that is definitely broken. Whatever's supposed to be happening, that's broken. Estimated in the United States that 20 million people, 20 million are ensnared by some kind of addiction. They just can't themselves break free of. In our country, we see somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,000 or 4,000 violent crimes a day. Talk, Jason talked about the, the handful of care kits we have left on the table out there. We don't have to look very far in our own community to see that some sort of social structure, um, community assistance, mental health resources, this stuff is broken. And because of that, people are broken. Those are, those are kind of big ideas, but we can look a little closer to home in our own lives. Look at our own family structures, positive and negative. How have things worked out in our homes growing up? What are areas in our own lives where we realize that we missed the mark? doing what is right or best towards those that we love. All of these things are indicators of the brokenness of humanity. Now it's in some ways, in one way, kind of not our fault. We're saddled with this nature that tends us towards being disobedient, tends us towards being self-interested and self-important. We call that in spiritual terms, we call that a sin nature that we believe everyone is born with, and they're born with it because sin from its very beginning, and we're going to talk about that here in just a moment in Genesis chapter 3, sin from its very beginning has, has tainted the world. In fact, if we were even to go back to, if we think about creation outside of humanity, we go back to the story of the Garden of Eden before the sin of Adam and Eve. What we see there is we see all of the beasts and creatures of the field uh, coexisting in peace with one another. There there were no predators before the fall because it wasn't necessary. But sin introduced this nature into humanity and it was the choice of adam and eve and that uh, the, the book of uh, hebrews and romans both tell us that through the sin of one man adam sin entered into the world and became necessary then for the sacrifice of one man god in the flesh jesus christ to undo the penalty of that sin in humanity. So let's look then at Genesis chapter 3. We know that God has designed us to be in communion with him. Uh, Romans 3.23, we shared that last week. I think it's in the text today as well. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So remember, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's chosen things, done things that that are in disobedience to what God would have us do, and that is what the Bible calls sin. And it can be an act of, you know, overt disobedience, right? I choose to do something that I know God would not be pleased with, or I do something against a fellow fellow human, a fellow man. Remember, love God, love people. They're they're twins. They're both paramount in in the commands of the life for humanity. We should love God with everything we have, We should love our neighbor with everything we have. Uh, Who is our neighbor? Jesus said, whoever's standing next to you is your neighbor. (laughs) Whoever's around you is your neighbor. It's not just Sean in the house next door to me in our neighborhood. He's not my only neighbor. It can be your loved ones, your family, your spouse, your children. And so it can be a a direct commission of something that we know is disobedient, so we we choose something that we know is wrong, or we do something against someone else. That would not be pleasing to god we know that it's not right or uh, the book of james says it can also be an, an, what we call an act of omission where we know the right thing to do and we just don't do anything james says for, for the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him it is sin so it's an equal disobedience to both choose that which is wrong And to deny that which is right. So, I don't know if there's anybody in here that's taking sort of a self-inventory and goes, Eh, I think I'm good. But I'm thinking probably not. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, we all have at least one occasion where we've chosen one of those two sides of that coin. and, And it bears out the truth of the Bible that says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that causes us to depart from God's design. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Go ahead, Jay. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the answer to that question, by the way, is uh, you've got to be careful how the question is phrased. You can take it one way to say, did God say that you can't eat any of the fruit in the garden, which is clearly not what he said, or really what he's asking here, did God really say that there's a fruit you can't eat? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, this is an interesting phrase here because we don't have recorded when God gave the commandments to Adam and Eve about the garden. We don't have him saying, you can't touch that. We do have him saying, you can eat anything around here, but don't eat that one. So we don't know here if, if Eve is, is, being, is you know, using some hyperbole here to, to make this seem like a bigger deal. Or it's just or it's just not recorded. We don't know, but we don't see God saying that that He said, Don't touch it. But the Serpent Serpent has asked the question Is it really true that God has told you that there are things you should do and things you should not do? That's really the question. Did God really give you any guidelines, or can you do whatever you want? It's the look, the question hasn't really changed in modern times, has it? That's really the question that we, as as believers, as Christians, consider for our own lives, and we want to consider with the humanity around us, is does God have, you know, bumpers? Does he have guidelines? Does he have boundaries that he wants for us to stay within, which are good and righteous? And is there something terrible on the outside of those? And so he asks this question, but the serpent said to the woman... You will not surely die. He can't mean that. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and she ate it. And so then she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And the eyes of both were opened and they saw that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So, we, just, we have this account uh, in a traditional Orthodox belief. We believe this is, this is a true account, right? Like this actually happened. There's some who take this as metaphorical or representative or, or something like that, not a historical fact. Either way you take it, it lays the foundation That there was some sort of disobedience to what God commanded, and that caused sin to enter into the world. We see this example here where God gives those guidelines to Adam and Eve, but he allows them to have free choice. He gave them the ability to choose. And so we see that Adam and Eve, they thought, what? They decided they knew better than God. They were convinced that they knew a better way than God. And the Bible's word for departing from God's design and going our own way, which is what we see in the story, that's sin that was in the, the PowerPoint. Isaiah 53, 6 says this. All we like sheep, there's that word again, all. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, who is that? Who's him? Jesus, right? Because if we if you go, and I would encourage you to do this, go back and look at all of Isaiah chapter 53 uh, and the surrounding, a couple of surrounding chapters. These are prophecies of the Messiah who would be Jesus. Telling the, the prophet Isaiah is foretelling the Messiah and what he will do, what he will accomplish, how you can identify him, how they will know that he's the Messiah. And so it says, all of us have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way, right? Instead of God's way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. Iniquity is another big fancy word for sin. So this begins to lay the foundation for the good news. So the... The bad news is we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23, which I mentioned earlier. I think we have that one too. Maybe. Uh, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have an Old Testament verse. We have a New Testament verse. They're saying the same thing. We're all in that same boat. So that's the bad news. But the good news is that God has chosen to take that sin that we have and put it on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, that we might be restored in our relationship to God. Romans six twenty three, which I didn't give to Jason, says, uh, "The wages of sin is death." But the gift of God, so re- bad news: the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can draw the, you can connect the dots, right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's almost a mirror image of the passage in Isaiah, right? All we have gone astray, but he's taken our sin and laid it on Jesus. So everybody's got the same problem. Everybody is in need of the same solution. And when we depart from God's design, It always leads to brokenness. So even as a believer, while uh, I wholeheartedly believe that you cannot lose your salvation, once God has saved you, he secures you. Because if, uh, just a real quick idea here, if he can't, if he can't secure you and hold you forever, if you can do anything to lose your salvation, then that means you did something to earn it. And those two can't exist at the same time because, as we talked about last week, uh, and often, Many scriptures tell us that salvation given to us, this gift given to us through Jesus Christ, is a gift that we cannot earn. No one can be better than someone else in order to receive it, and no one can work hard enough to get it. It's offered to us, and we must receive it. That's the only thing we have to do: is receive it, acknowledge it, say yes. I, I'll, I'll do that. And the gift is given. So therefore. We can't undo it. Now, there's a lot that goes underneath of that when it comes to the the life of the believer, how we live, and, and the evidence of being a believer. I think what that also means is that if we become a Christian, it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes, but we don't live in sin anymore. We are not practicing sin. We are practicing righteousness. We are living naturally as a righteous person, progressively becoming more righteous. We talked about that recently too sanctification progressively becoming more holy because of the presence of God living within us. But when we sin it causes a brokenness that must be restored and that is only restored through Jesus Christ. We have a tendency you'll see this further on in Genesis chapter 3 just in the example of the physical story that happens there with Adam and Eve when when we get broken we experience often shame, guilt, loneliness. When, when God comes back, because the Bible says that, at that in that day, God used to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. He hung out with them. But after they sin, he comes to hang out with them, and he can't find them because they're hiding, because they're filled with shame, and they're filled with guilt. The same thing happens to us when we acknowledge Our brokenness, it tends to result in shame and guilt, trying to hide from God in all the ways that we can choose to do that. Our brokenness, when we engage in sin, it disrupts God's design. It breaks that communion. But brokenness can also help us to see our need for change. Now, we'll find sometimes in life... That once we, uh, you can, can, boy, you can apply this to just so many things. I know people in your own life, you can apply this idea. When we realize that we have brokenness, we may try a lot of earthly ways to solve those problems. And some of those are good. Some of those are helpful. I'm uh, not at all opposed to uh, good, proper mental health care, physical health care. Self-care, taking care of yourself, you know, making sure that you're not uh, abusing yourself so that you can't be and function as the person God would have you to be. But there are a lot of negative ways people try to deal with brokenness as well, right? Through satisfying physical lusts, addictions that we just talked about. Um, Overworking, you know, throw themselves into their job in order to just forget about anything else that's going on in their lives. Trying to, to gain... A sense of self-worth by being successful in human terms can sometimes be a way to try and, and just push aside that sense of loneliness or lack of purpose. And all of those things are artificial ways of trying to address that internal understanding that something is broken. And what's broken is that... Design that God gave us to be in relationship with him. Again, scripture tells us that that the only place where we find true happiness and satisfaction and purpose is being in relationship with God and doing the things that he designs for us in our lives. So we're going to go through the rest of this, the three circles. Jay, go ahead and throw that up there for me, The where you were last time. Now as we go through this, what I want you to remember is the little booklet, if you have one of those, or the thing that's on your, you know, the the app that you have. Or if you spend some time with this and just sort of get it into your brain, it's not complicated. The idea here is that as you have the opportunity, I, I would say two things. One, internally focused. When you find yourself struggling, because you've done something that is breaking your relationship with God at the moment, you could sit down and run through this with yourself and be reminded of how to be restored. It could be an encouragement to you in your own personal walk with Christ. We're focusing in this series on externally when we meet someone who maybe is searching and wandering, and trying to fill that void created by sin, where they, they know that there's something they need, but they don't know that it's being in communion with God, and they don't know yet that it's because something is broken, that you could share this. You could use the pamphlet. You could use your phone. You can use a little napkin at the restaurant. You draw it on a piece of paper. It's not complicated. It's just these diagrams and what's underneath of them, the understanding of what's underneath of them. And then I would tack on to that, as I encouraged you last week, never, ever forget the power, the strength of your personal testimony. What has God done for you? How has God changed your life because you reconnected with Him? And are now in communion, in a relationship with God. So, we talk about God's design. We draw that little line of sin. It says, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Everybody has a sin. And what that leads to, what that creates, is brokenness. Causes brokenness. And that's easy for most of us to understand. We see it manifested in broken relationships, addictions, depression, discouragement, guilt, shame. And almost everybody, rarely do you find somebody who doesn't, but almost everybody wants to get out of the brokenness. And so they try a whole bunch of stuff. That's those little squiggly lines. All the stuff that people are trying to to fix that brokenness, and yet none of them are sufficient. We medicate with drugs, we numb with alcohol. Uh, we try to be a better person, right? that's, a, that's a good thing to strive for, no problem with that. Try to be a better person. Hoping, we hope that somehow, maybe, sometimes, uh, if we do a whole bunch of good, it'll outweigh the bad. We look for ways to alleviate the pain that we're feeling. But often that's a cycle that just leads to us feeling more broken because it ultimately is never satisfactory. It doesn't satisfy. And that feels like a bad thing, right? But if we can begin to have a biblical understanding of what Christ has done for us, our brokenness actually reveals to us what our need is, and then we can understand what the true solution could be. Brokenness is sometimes what gets us ready to try God's solution. And that solution is to repent and believe the gospel. The change we really need comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die the death that we all deserve because of sin. Remember that? The wages of sin is death. But Jesus came to die and die that death for us and we deserve to have that but God sent Jesus to live a perfect life to die the death that we deserve and to be raised to life again proving he is who he says he is and that he can do everything that he says that he can do Jesus came as the one who would forgive our sins and when we repent and believe in him our relationship to God is, is restored. The design that God intended for us is now made new, and we are in relationship and communion with him when we repent and believe. We respond to the good news. When we repent and believe in him, the Bible is faithful. It says he gives us then his spirit to be with us, to live in us. And through that, we enjoy that relationship persistently with God. And then we are to go back out into a broken world to tell others about the design that God intended, the problem that we all have, the ways in which we try to fix it, and what the real answer is for everyone who's broken. Last, next week, we'll, we'll bring this all kind of full circle, if you will. Full circles. Three, I don't know how to make that work. But ultimately, each one of us has to decide, are we going to take God's way out of our brokenness? Or are we going to keep trying to slug it out on our own? Will we take the opportunity as believers to not just exist in the world as a believer, but to be carriers of the good news to others in the world who need to hear it? Because that's what I'm hopeful for. This last week, when uh, we went to uh, dinner with Pastor David and Pastor Randy, there's uh, five of us, and we went down to 49th State Brewing Company because Pastor David when he visited here before, had this green fizzy drink that he was very excited about, and I just figured out that it was at 49 State Brewing, and uh, it was a very, very sweet, as Jason said, green Kool-Aid kind of drink. Um, Jello! Jello, thank you, sorry, green Jello. But uh, we're seated, and Randy's, we're seated at a long uh, table where a bunch of people can sit. And Randy's sitting next to me, and I'm here, and Pastor David's here and Karen's here, Jason's over there. uh, Jason's over there, Karen's over there. And as it developed, the four of us over here, Karen and Jason and David and myself, we were talking all about kind of business, stuff we wanted to do together. But as it developed, these people left and another couple came and sat down and they struck up a conversation with Randy. And we all just listened as Randy shared the gospel across the table in that moment. And it, it wasn't forced. In fact, Randy really wanted to be part of the conversation we were having, but God had a different idea. And this couple was wide open to having a discussion about spiritual things. They're both raised uh, LDS in Mormon, uh, Mormon land, Utah, and so they have both walked away from that, and now are traveling the world and having a great time. And they were really fun people, but they just. They were just wide open, asking some of the most amazing questions as Randy started to talk about who he was and what he did, and share the gospel. And friends, that's all I'm talking about. It wasn't a project. Randy didn't plan it. He wasn't when they sat down. He didn't think to himself, "Oh, I hear some people. Maybe I'll share the gospel with them." It it started with just sharing a menu, Uh, and then it was a so. What do you guys do? (laughs) There's three, four pastors sitting at the table. Right, and, uh, and we made a joke about the drink because we all gave uh, David a little bit of a hard time about how excited he was about this drink. But David's like, oh, you're looking for something? You've got to try one of these. And it was kind of funny because there's two beer mugs sitting in front of David that are completely empty. And he's got the third one in his hand, right? He goes, oh, these are, oh, these are non-alcoholic. But don't let that turn you down, you know. Don't let that turn you off. And the guy says, "Oh, so you don't drink?" And David says, "Well, I, well, I don't, because in what I do and the people I work with, it just cause too many, it just causes too many problems. It's you know, I I don't begrudge you if you want to have a beer, you know, great, but but I don't. Oh, well, what do you do?" And then we continue to have our conversation, and this got super focused over here. And I remember there was a. In fact, the guy asked a question about uh, salvation. He said, "Well, you you guys believe that uh, you don't like you can't lose your salvation, right?" And Randy explained that, and the guy goes, "That's amazing. I've never heard anybody explain it like that. That is that is so interesting. Thank you for telling me that." And friends, that's all I'm encouraging you to do. Is be prepared so that if God seats someone across the table from you or in the park with you or at the grocery store or at your table in your home and the door opens to spiritual conversation, that you will have some kind of literacy to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. That's all. So I hope that you'll take this in and not just see it as, eh, okay, whatever. Let it get in you. Think about this. Think about how you could use something like this. And there are lots of other tools out there. One of our upcoming newsletters, I'll send you links to several other things that you can use that are similar to this, but they're different. And maybe one of them resonates with you a little bit better. But there are plenty of easy ways to share the good news because it should be available for everyone. It shouldn't be so complicated that no one can know. Uh, That is not the purpose of the gospel. Well thank you so much for being here with us today. We're going to sing one more song together. So worship team come back and we'll we'll get through this last number. It'll be fun. And uh if you are a guest with us today and I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would love to. And uh